This is Joshua Humphrey of the Double Bill Podcast, bumping in at the front of the show to remind you that on August 28th and 29th, Phoenix Theater in Minneapolis will be hosting the Noise Picnic Podcast Festival. You'll have your Regret Labs, your Cold Read, your Next at Backs, your Nixon v. Kennedys, your Twin Cities Song Story, and Double Bill all in one festival. We're really excited about this, everyone. Please come, check it out, support your local podcasters. This episode today features Tim Wick. I've known Tim for a long time. He was on my old show, Twin Cities Theater Connection, multiple times, and he was always the greatest guest. He's part of the podcast Geeks Without God and A Real Education, and he's a writer and performer and all-around cool bloke here in the Twin Cities. I really enjoyed this episode and hope we have some excuse to get Tim on again. Enjoy, everyone. Double Bill, Double Bill, comparing culture, it's Double Bill, putting two things together, it's Double Bill, it's Double Bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns, record scratch. Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Double Bill. My name is Mikey. Eh, beep a bop a boop a postal. Okay, and I'm Brian, allegedly Watson Jones. I'm Josh, externalizing Humphrey. And we have a guest with us. Yay! Yay! Hi, I'm Tim Yahweh Wick. Yay! 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 I'm Yahweh. <laughs> Tell us what we're uh, talking about today, Mike. What an ancient Greek is spelled with an I. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today, we are going to be uh, double billing uh, two documentaries, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, one's more of a prop, well, they're both proper documentaries, uh, but we're going to be getting into uncharted territories in the terms of uh, religion. So we'll be talking about today the uh, Scientology uh, documentary called Going Clear that was released earlier this year on HBO, mm-hmm. and then the uh, 2007 I think so. 2007, 2007 uh, documentary, Religious, uh, hosted by uh, Bill Maher. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a documentary. It's just Bill Maher riding in cars. Right, but... Bill Maher. It's like yeah, <laughs> riding in cars with comedians, and it's Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually had something in an email that I thought was very accurate. And before we... Like, well, before we get too far along, I do want to say that, Tim, you're joining us because you have... I, I don't expertise with religion you run a Me. podcast yeah. geeks without god geeks without god i have uh, expertise with not religion i think is what i would say yes i think that's <laughs> yes. Probably, that's probably and more geeks. and nerds and i also uh, have to point out uh, it's jehovah Jehovah's spelled with an I. Yahweh doesn't have an I. Oh, sorry about that. And here's me cribbing also, it's the Latin. Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah I, well, I knew it was from. Yeah. <laughs> really dropped the Last Crusade yeah. ball. Dude. Dude. Look at these fuckers right, right in front now. of this guy. I yeah. Know. Oh, God. The guy who has no God is correcting me on how to pronounce God. That's See, right. This is what they do. Yeah. Well, what's your what's your handle there? Uh, typically my, on. My hand, oh, my online handle is Pet Snake Reggie, uh, which is the name of the snake at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my favorite movie, so I'm kind of a. And that's your uh, yeah. is that your live journal? As that's well? my live. That's it's my it's my blog, petsnakereggie.com. It's my Twitter mm-hmm. at petsnakereggie, petsnakereggie everywhere. It's the great thing about it is not only does it does it reflect on my personal nerd uh, loves, but it is never taken in any <laughs> If I need a username on anything, I guarantee you, petsnakereggie not taken. The funny thing is that. Uh, uh, Brian Singer, the yeah, director. I've heard his, of him. His production company, he's a guy. Yeah. His production company, Bad Hat Harry, is based on a, a throwaway line from Jaws where uh, where Roy Scheider gets mm-hmm. up. He's like, that's some bad hat, Harry. And on the one of the first uh, DVDs I started like watching was The Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about it. He's like, He goes, that's a guy who has a character. And he's got a backstory. He's got some bad hat. I mean, why does he have a bad hat? Why was that line there? So he like he just went and nerded out about it. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that snake has a backstory too. Does he? Yes. <laughs> Show a little back. Actually, one. actually, the snake uh, jock, the pilot. This is going totally off the rails. I now. don't care. No, yeah. But uh, <laughs> we have to Disney, get people comfortable before we get to the part that Disney gets us angry is currently letters. opening a bar in their downtown Disney area. Oh yeah. Which which is Jock's Bar. It's the bar of the pilot from Raiders of the Lost Ark. God, just, Disney really does own everything. Yeah, and they're 
And there's going to be like a snake there, and the snake's name is going to be Reggie. Are you going to go huh. and get? I am going to go so hard. I I I will spend so much time there. Going, he's going to go ninety on the bar. I'll That's be walking awesome. in, going, "Where's the dog? Did you name him Indiana?" And then yeah. they'll be like, "Get out." So no, they'll they'll they're going to be like, "Ah, fifth unless, person this hour, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> unless you're there first day, they're going to have calluses pretty thick about yeah. Indiana Jones. They're going to they're serve you a drink. They're like, uh, "Do you want a tall or short?" And you're like, "I'll take a tall." And then be like, "That's not a cup of a carpenter." And then. Yeah, like, yeah. That's well, the shorts are short rounds. So. Exactly. Oh! Yeah, I thought that. Then I'm like, I'm not going to refer to Temple of Doom. I'm the only thing worse would be referring to Crystal Skull. So, oh. well, they do know. have uh, the Skull goblets you can order from. I like, think Geek. Yeah. I, think those I know. Are great. Well, and there's Crystal are, Skull. Vodka. Some, somebody buys those things. The skulls are kind of cool. The movie's terrible, but having a Crystal Skull. Well, I hear Crystal neat. Skull vodka is pretty good. I sure. It myself. It's also ninety nine dollars, yeah. and I'll we'll talk about that offline because <laughs> I'm actually because we've we've had conversations previously about how I thought eighty four was like in in geek years nineteen eighty four was like. The year of everything, so because mm. uh, we had Ghostbusters, Sheena, Gremlins, uh, La- or Temple of Doom, like a bunch of like really huge nerd properties, mm-hmm. like uh, my brother, Buckaroo, was, Buckaroo Yeah, you know, my there brother was born. A lot of a lot of nerds are going to go to uh, eighty two. Oh yeah, which is e. Raiders of the Lost Ark, E. T. Uh, I think Terminator's eighty two. Anyway, eighty two is yeah. a really good year. Is there anything between eighty two and eighty four? No, no. Nothing. All they were doing was making the sequels to everything that was made in eighty two. Oh yeah, <laughs> eighty was terrible. Was- I'll 80- consider my birth year then as a sequel year. <laughs> So uh, you were making a segue into about talking about religi- religious, religious, religious. Yeah, okay. religious was religious was his, his little crib of uh, of a George W. Bush, uh, like misquote. You know? Oh, is it really? Oh yeah, oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. realize that. And uh, he, George and he, W. Bush was and, you know, that was like the high time. Two thousand seven would have been high time. Like. People were just getting really tired of the regime, you know, the the Bush. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could feel it throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't, yeah. He didn't mince it. He just he put it all out there. And uh, well, going religious to... is also a play on religion and ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but he uh, he but... has certain opinions on such things, and they and they and they quote him. He's like, yeah. he goes, "My administration and I feel my policy in the Middle East is dictated by God." Sounds great. That sounds great. But um, ever since it came out on HBO Go, I was like super excited to check it out. And About going clear. Going clear. Yes. Okay. Segway. Uh, Religious. Mm-hmm. I saw in. Uh, I saw a couple of years ago, uh, doing like a documentary phase. Sure. And I had a pretty. I was like, well, this would make a really good double bill because I hadn't seen it. You. Uh, have actually both read the book and seen the documentary. I listened to the book on audio when I went to Wisconsin last week. Okay. Uh, so that was fun. Awesome. Uh, going into Red Country while listening to uh, Going Clear. Actually, I was going to House on the Rock, which is a crazy place. <laughs> oh, yeah. The first place. Yeah, it's pretty insane. And then, like, listening yeah. to all the stories that sure, about sure. Ron L. Hubbard, because the first, like, third of the book is just about Hubbard's life and how, like, allegedly crazy he was. Right, uh, right. And yeah, there are a lot of parallels between Hubbard and the guy who built House on the Rock. You know, I don't know too much about House on the Rocks, the guy who built it, anyway, because uh, I skipped that part of the tour, and then I couldn't find my way back into the room to watch that part yeah, of the you tour. Yeah, you, you can't go back. It's gone now. Yeah, it's, the House it's, on the Rocks. It's gone. You what is the name? Alex Ross? He came Alex out the Jones? other end into another Alex world. Ross is a comic book artist. Alex Ross is a comic book artist? Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. uh, yeah, but anyway, very... so I listened to most of it on the way there because I'd, I'd also listened to the audiobook uh, Inside Scientology about a year ago. Okay, uh, and they had a lot of the same like uh, talking points and stuff. Like, so it was kind of it was almost like refreshing my memory. Wow. So in terms of like Hubbard's life, uh, do you want to talk about Scientology now, or do you want to talk about religion? Well, because we watched Religious first. Let's let's make use of our. Uh, let's, so you watched Religious first? I did. Yeah. So did I. Okay. So we'll did watch, you, Tim? I I watched it in 2007 so okay, i'm gonna have enough. to say yes i watched it <laughs> okay so let's all right we'll talk about the older movie first then and uh you know have you read dianetics have either of you uh, <laughs> do you know how thick dianetics it's is? A oh yes yeah. oh yeah no 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 i remember like no. the, the commercials used to have for it you know and like i had no idea I part just, of me it was like tempted to maybe pick up dianetics and read it a little bit just to see uh like how it's written right. dianetics yeah. is yeah. like a coffee table book without pictures yeah. it's just not Unless yeah. you're actually in the religion, I would not pick that book up. 
And Fair if enough. you are in the religion, get out. Yeah, and you should put that book down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of old pulp sci-fi magazines from like the early 80s and seeing ads for Dianetics before all this stuff from Going Clear happened and just getting this weird flashback of, oh yeah, at that point it was just a half-page ad in Analog, wasn't it? That was the whole religion. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would have probably gotten some early play before before it became, Scientology became, I feel like, a thing, which mm-hmm. was when the celebrity faces really put a, a stamp on Yeah, and then 80, you know, I'm reading stuff from like 82, 83, sure. so that was before Travolta or Cruz really even got involved, let alone famous for it. Right. Uh, all right, so religious. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, uh, so yeah, I know, I, it seems like you really want to talk about Scientology and going clear, but let's talk about religious first and get it out of the way. If you don't eat we'll your meat, you can't Bill Maurer, let's get him out of the way. All right. <laughs> Shove Bill Maurer. God. All right, so, yeah. all right, so there's, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and harp on the guys, either his stand-up, his, his interview techniques, or any other controversy that he's allegedly been a part of but um i had a rem- i had a memory of this movie where i thought i remembered him doing a far less antagonistic interview <clears throat> of these now granted yeah. he he usually goes for the hard questions first recoils and then listens and waits and uh because this was a uh what's his name uh charles manson Yes, Charles Manson, the the producer and filmmaker who followed him, the guy who also did Bruno and Borat, and like so he does a lot I'm of. Pretty these. sure it's not Charles. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, and so that's, anyway, that's the dude with that's the, the serial, swastika that's on the his face. Killer, right? yes. right. Yeah. So he, yeah. so he, Charles Durning. So yes, it's <laughs> Charles Durning. <laughs> You're just gonna agree with everything. Just throw it out there. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying Charles is so I'm right. Sometimes I get it on the fifth try. It's amazing. So what happens is uh, he he basically goes. I think he goes after nothing like. He doesn't stop by like some Elka congregation. He stops by people who might have he he so he yeah more in the pr- truck stop chapel. Yeah, so he starts off at a truck stop chapel, and his whole his whole way of positioning is that he grew up Catholic Jewish, uh, more Catholic than Jewish. His mother is Jewish, uh, and what he did was he decided to say, "I do not believe in God or the idea of creation. I would like to ask these major religions questions about." where they're coming from and what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, when he does like back off a little bit, he succeeds in letting them like get it out, but he comes in swinging on all of these. So with the truck stop, I was like, as soon as it starts, he shows up with these guys who look like they're about to like rip his head off when he starts questioning Which them. Which one was the truck stop? The very first one. Yeah, they're yeah. in the back of a Pretty truck. On it. Yeah. It's a church in... That was the, a truck? A semi... Yeah. I did yeah. not even put that together. A that semi truck trailer. I, I, I recognized it was a really incredibly small room. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just like some random... Like, it's in a semi truck trailer. Semi truck trailer, yep. Yeah. And he did goes in there and he starts asking questions. Um, I well, one of them was like, I don't know what you're throwing down, but I'm out of here. But I'm out of here. I'm out. And he takes off. You start questioning my guy, and I'm going to start not questioning my God, I'm leaving. Yeah. So they. Uh, so he. That's kind of what he said. Yeah. This is actually. I wrote it down. Pretty close. I wrote it down. Uh, you start disputing my God, I'm out of here. That's what he wrote. Yep. That's what he said. Disputing. Disputing. And that's where we know where he's going. Disputin he's going to try to attack refutin'. people. And he does, I think, throughout the entirety of the entire hour and 35 minutes of the documentary, he, he basically comes in and is like, well, why? Well, what? Well, why? And he gets fringe people. So he gets the guy, the pastor, who can uh, pray the gay way, who married the lesbian and had three kids, who is now divorced, I think yes, we talked about. Yes, that's uh, John West. John West. He divorced in 2010. Uh, he goes and he visits uh, in Amsterdam the pot smoking, the Church of God, the Father, and Sheba. Which yeah, just... I'm pretty sure that the only reason he went there is so he could smoke some pot. Probably, yes. Yeah, because they yeah. He's was like, nothing I can, that I, can, I, can get my, I can get my movie financed and smoke pot. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, that, oh, we can write the weed one. budget in there? We're good. Yay. We're super good. That felt completely superfluous because he went, they cut to it like three times and nothing happened. He nothing just told happened. Some, some like really dated pot jokes. And then didn't talk about the religion at all. Which the best part of that was, of course, the guy's hair getting caught on fire. He's like, "Whoa, your hair's on fire!" He's like, well, that was exciting. <laughs> I like I that you another joint. Yeah, I like that you Love said it. dated because every time I listen to Bill Maurer, I always think he sounds so dated. <laughs> like I, I feel like he's behind the times. Well, here's yeah. what I'm gonna say. Uh, we actually did on Geeks Without God. We did a podcast about this movie. Mm. Um, as as an atheist, as a non-believer, I've been a non-believer for a long time. What Religious did was when I watched that movie and he gets to the end and he's like, people who don't believe have to start talking about not believing because otherwise it's all these wackadoodle voices out there who are talking about this shit. 
and nobody saying, wait a minute, let's put on the brakes and really talk about this. And that actually was very a really big factor in my coming out as an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a comedian. He's making a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a bad documentary. Oh, if yeah. you look at it as a documentary, I don't think you're looking at it right. You're What you're looking at it as, what you should be looking at it as, is a comedy. And as a comedy, what he's doing is he's handing these people rope and waiting to see if they string themselves up. Um, see, and I, I would be fine with that. And I agree, that final bit was really good. The, mm-hmm. the coming out as an atheist and pointing out the thesis of his entire movie, which is that we've got the ability to destroy ourselves and haven't outgrown the want to. I think he said, paraphrasing, but that yeah, was a really good line. Right, right, it was yeah. a really good line. And I'm like, why is this at the end? I understand this movie now and it's over. Why didn't you put that something about that, a, a seed of that at the beginning, other than just, we have nuclear weapons now. Eh, here's a bunch of interviews. Well, and that's why I like the bookends of uh, being at uh, Megiddo. You know, just like saying, this is where... Damn it, I should have had my name be Megiddo. That <laughs> <laughs> this is where the this is where biblically the, the world sounds like a which the Christians yeah. would be destroyed. But um, it really does. And I Megiddo know, I mean, has evolved uh, into Armageddon. The, <laughs> the guy who created it is a fucking he. He's done Borat. He's done a thing yeah. about like a guy who wrestles a naked, overweight man in an elevator for chuckles and like walks around with a bag of his own feces. Who says, "My wife," you know, that's yeah. his that's his gag. And, and then variations of, you know. Like- so, and, and, and Borat, Borat, much like this, is kind of an ambush style where Borat is, is theater mm-hmm. and this is, this is theoretically a documentary. But it's still an ambush style. Bill Maher is walking in and he's going to start asking these people tough questions, questions they're not prepared to answer, which, frankly, is their problem. But mm-hmm. because they wouldn't have been any more prepared to answer them if they'd known coming in ahead of time what the questions were. Right. Um, but what he chooses to do, I mean, there are, I think there are problems like Bill Maher is very Islamophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, I mean, the way he. Well, that comes yeah, out in this too. The, does, yeah, the yeah. way he deals with the, the Muslims in this film compared to the Christians and, and the Jews, mm-hmm. uh, is, is very, very different. You know, he goes in there really, really focusing on his feeling of what Islam is. Uh, as opposed to with with a lot of the other with a lot of the other groups where he's like, yeah, well, the talking snake is ridiculous. From his perspective, Islam is a violent, deadly religion, mm-hmm. which you know, six years after nine eleven, and they're filming probably what between four and five years after nine mm-hmm. eleven. Um, that's probably where part of that attitude comes from. But Bill Maher has had that attitude ever since. Um, some of it is not entirely inaccurate. There's a lot of stuff in the Quran that absolutely matches up with what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, so when when Muslims talk about this isn't in the Quran, he's right when he says, "Well, it is in the Quran. It's part of what you believe." But you can do the same thing to Christians. You can say, "Well, this is in the Bible," and you're spending oh, yeah. all this time on this but crap over here. But that's just yeah. also interpretation. Too. Sure, like he's he's discussing interpretation, but he's doing it in very broad strokes versus sure. saying like. Well, yeah. You know, the, the, the reason why they're called fringe extremists mm-hmm. is because they're fringe extremists. Yeah. Like, not all conservatives are talking heads on Fox News. Right. But we and, can well, say... And like, the yeah. Westboro Baptist Church, which had its time in religious, at least shots of it, I don't think... Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't interview anyone. Yeah. But that church has, like, 36 people in it. Yeah. And it gets nationwide news coverage whenever it does anything. Because, because what they it do makes is, good TV. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's... I think that's the other thing. When he goes and he visits, and he goes and he, to that place, he's got the hat on... The guy mm-hmm. is very accommodating to him. He's like, let's go take a look quick, you know, yeah. while we can. And there's only one dude that comes up and he's like, I don't like him. I don't think he's funny. And I think he sucks. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? If you read uh, the subtitles there, it's got to be bullshit. It's got, I, I, I didn't write it down, but I read the subtitles this time and I'm like, there's no way that's what that guy's actually saying. That's, this is a joke. They're, they're making fun. You know, maybe the first thing he says is actually translated correctly. But then the rest they're talking about, you know, like he thinks he's funny. He's not really funny. I, you know, I don't even watch his show or something like that. And There's like, a couple points in the doc. Or the documentary, I guess. I guess it's better to categorize it as a comedy because there, yeah. I think there's some comedic liberties he takes yes. with and I various think was... things that people say that include. And I think there was another time where he uh, put like a thought bubble above somebody's head. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So there are points where I don't think what he was, what they were saying, actually was what was going on. Was really yeah. going on. He just he just decided to insert it there because he thought it was funny. You know, about the only guy that he really couldn't talk to was the one the one rabbi who, you know, was a Holocaust denier 
Which, you know, I can understand. Um, oh, like, but he yeah. was also the rabbi that was uh, very close friends with the, uh, the president of Iran. The one, uh, yeah. 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 Where he goes up and he's like talking to him and the guy's like, stop, let me fish. He's like, but when he goes, no, stop, let me fish. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. He kept shutting him up. So, of course, Bill Maher gets pissed off. He's like, no, this is my turn to like mm-hmm. rip on you and vomit. But this guy was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah, he's this... like, we're done. We're done. He gets up and he leaves. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's why he got up and left, though. <laughs> yeah, there's so much you don't know. What what did they cut out just to get the joke that they? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. and that's I think that's the other thing. I think with like mm-hmm. you know a, a pure documentary, yeah. you've got like stuff where you're like, wow, this is like facts. This probably has a bent to it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. with this, clearly it was edited to fuck. You it's know? creative. Like, I want yeah. I want you to keep this in mind. And I mean, it's not being a pure documentary because I want to return to it when we talk about going clear. Sure. Because sure. I don't necessarily think that's a pure documentary either. There is no such thing as a clear. No, there's not as a pure yeah. documentary. Every documentarian, I mean, they take. They probably interview these people that you see on the documentary for hours, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five hours, and you get it, get it edited down to maybe ten minutes with a lot of these people. Sure, every documentary, a documentarian is telling a story. Yeah. Now they're they're and and when we get to going clear, we can talk about the clear bias in the filmmaking of going going clear as well. Um, every document documentary has a bias to it even no matter how hard the documentarian might be trying to remove bias from what they're mm-hmm. making they're going to see a story emerge documentarians are telling a story the same way that people making a fictional film are telling a story right mm-hmm. so they're keeping an eye on well how do i keep the story going the direction that i want to tell it and that's that's the same thing that's happening in religious he's telling a story and his story is religion doesn't make any sense well Here's the reason that I, I didn't like the way he told it. And maybe maybe it was poorly done, or maybe it's just not my style of comedy, which with comedy, the, those things are, it's impossible to tell them apart. What, what I don't like right. is bad, mm-hmm. whether that's true or not, who who, who the hell knows. But um, because I do like when whenever somebody doing something satirical, whether it's Colbert Report or Daily Show or this or any anything, gives a stupid person enough rope to hang themselves. I enjoy that, whether it's about religion or something less controversial. But a lot of the time he wasn't doing that. He was giving them rope and they weren't using it right, so he he told he egged them on with something seemingly unrelated. He he teased the uh gay rights Muslims for being gay with some also some pretty dated homophobic style jokes. Um he did the same ah now i can't think of a second example so that example is where i will stand i'll tell you what though the jesus guy the guy who played jesus at the at the holy mm-hmm. holy land he gave that guy so much rope and that guy just oh yeah that guy. oh yeah he, well that guy you, is, that guy it. you saw that guy that guy's an actor not yeah, just yeah. not only is he an actor he's an actor that was just like it's just all right is this on yes and he's like i'm ready for it the mm-hmm. only person that i would i got like, the impression though that he was also like he was also place, devout right no he oh, wasn't no, the head no no he, he was, was just playing he was there. just playing jesus he was, he was the, very the top clearly of the actor pile in that he was very he clearly as devout as anybody else that was involved well Listen, the pr person did not like him that was a true moment right that was a true moment where she comes out and she's just like gets it she's like you need to come to me and then the other true moment in that whole set, because that place fucking blew my mind. Mm. I mean, to be like, this is a Kissimmee Park that's not a Disney or Mouse Park. And this guy comes out and he's like, I am Jesus. Case in point. So Jesus Christ Superstar, Ted Neely, the guy that yeah. played Jesus, he's been playing that role since like 1975, right? 76. Yeah. He still does the tours because he can still sing. He's like in his 60s now. A friend of mine said she met him backstage and she's like, this guy thinks he's Jesus. Like she goes, I met him and we were getting like our, our program signed and shit. But this guy is just like, and she's like, what the fuck is up with you? <laughs> touching hands and like touching heads. And so like, wow. And Did like, you wash your feet? Because that would have been cool. That would have yeah, been cool. Right? But then, so this guy at the park, there's not a lot different than the guy, the self-proclaimed Hispanic, uh, I am Jesus Christ second coming right now. Oh, yeah. Because right. this guy thinks he is. This other guy thinks he is. And when you see stuff like that in context of this 90-minute movie, it's like... So basically what he's showing is like, I don't... A lot of these jokes he's not writing. He's like, even though he's giving them rope, sure. these people's... Their conviction is what's creating a lot of the comedy. And especially with this Jesus guy at the park, I'm watching this whole crucifixion thing where he's like... Wearing his diaper, covered in mm-hmm. blood, mm-hmm. with his head in a yoke, and he's falling down on concrete, bare knee, actor point. Yeah. Uh-uh. That would kill. I'd be like, listen, I need to talk to my agent or some shit like that, you know, because he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, but he's well, playing Jesus, and that's, that's, he's, 
He's into it. Not right. man. Yeah. Some guys yeah. want to be Hamlet. Some guys, yeah, right. Some guys want to be Jesus. Some guys want to be Jesus. And this guy was, like, into it, though. But the other people were at the theme park, which he just watched them fight one another when they were in the gift shop. And oh, it was yeah. like when he was just like standing back and he he wasn't saying anything. There she the lady was like this, the guy was like this, and they're shaking their fingers at one another. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow. You know, when you get real moments like that in this yeah. movie. See, that's mm-hmm. what I wanted the whole time. And there were too many that felt like he was forcing them because he wasn't getting what he wanted. So right. he, he needled them with something that's not the religious problem, the problems within the religion that they're. Well, do you think the time when he was like trying to string rope to the father, and the father just took that rope and ran with it, and was telling his own jokes? Are you talking about the Vatican? Yeah, guy? the Vatican guy. No, he was awesome. Wasn't that, that guy great? Yeah, he, he was is, great. Okay, the, both guys from the Vatican. That guy and the astronomer were the like, astronomy. these guys are really smart, and they know what well, they're talking. Well, and about. you know, and he was, and the thing is, those people he didn't try to make look ridiculous. Yeah, he, you know, he clearly has respect for those but, guys. Yeah, that's he what, doesn't agree with them on their on their theology. Oh, look, there's a picture of the. Dude. Father Reginald Foster. I sent this to. I sent oh yeah, that's right, Josh, you did. And I was like, I go rewatching it. This man is a national treasure because he was just like, I just like how he goes. He goes, well, what about the? He goes, eh, beep, ba, 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 boop, yeah. and he goes, and he goes, he's like, the Christmas, and he goes, that guy could have been born on July third, and I'm just like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. The guy's so high up, he doesn't have to stick with the dogma anymore. Like, well, what about this thing? Oh, we don't do that anymore. That turned out to be stupid. I really, I really appreciated the juxtaposition of the astronomer with Ken Ham because. Ken Ham's a complete rube, and I don't care who makes him look ridiculous. But, uh, you know, you've got the astronomer who's just saying, this is what the science says, and, and you know, we're not, we don't believe that the science has to exist separate from, it can exist yeah. separate from the theology. The theology still works. Mm-hmm. And then you get Ken, Ken Ham who's like, if one thing is in the Bible is wrong, then the whole Bible is wrong. So it doesn't matter what the science says. Yeah. No yeah. fucking shit, right. Well, I, love, like, I read a book by uh, the Dalai Lama about how he incorporated science into his personal beliefs. And he, I love the introduction, which was basically, so we believe this, and then we looked at the science, and the science said it was wrong. And we were like, okay, so we're wrong. So what is right? And that I, I read that, and I was like, I think that's the first time I've seen a religious leader go, oh, okay, so the science says we're wrong, so we need to figure it out again. Well, isn't it Talmudic scholars that, like, their lives are sitting there buried in the Talmud and, like, figuring out uh, in the Torah, and they're, like, figuring out, like, interpreting? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Um, it's just like, well, what are you talking like, about like Orthodox Jews? Yeah, when they're like, well, they're like I mean, they talk this. to one in this yeah. and they're trying to come up with all the weird contraptions to get yeah, around. No, we're not the, even talking yeah. about that. I mean, the, the Talmud is this, this, um, I mean, actually, I think it's fascinating because, I mean, the Jews have spent basically their entire existence arguing about their religion. And that's what the Talmud is it is Jewish scholars arguing over what's in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's and commentaries on commentaries it's commentary, on commentaries. And, and, you know, it's just amazing, this history of Jews arguing <laughs> over Judaism. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that in any other religion. Yeah, I mean, what what Bill Maher is talking about, especially when he's like looking talking to Ken Ham, is, and 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 I think also the guy who uh, who's the anti-gay pastor, you know, mm-hmm. the gayway pastor, is he is is he showing that that, and also I think with the Muslims as well, is all of these religions are not interested in debating their religion. Mm-hmm. And this is especially true of any fundamentalist group. And there are plenty of Orthodox Jews who fall into that category, which is ironic, given that one of the central things about Judaism is this constant argument about their faith. But Christians don't have that. They don't have that built in. In fact, what's built into Christianity is you're not supposed to argue about your faith. What's built into Islam is you're mm-hmm. not supposed to argue about your faith. Your faith is whatever your religious leaders tell you that it is. And you accept that as opposed to Judaism, where they're like, well, don't buy anything your religious leaders tell you, mm-hmm. because none of them can agree on any of this crap anyway. Um, <laughs> That's why the book, The Year of Living Biblically, is a fun read. It's, it's a, a great book. <laughs> it's a great fun read, because he's like, so what does this mean? He's like, well, and again, the beep, ba bop ba boop It could mean so many different things. Uh, and that's why I love it. Are we still recording? Yes, we're still recording. Oh, God. I thought we were going to have a talking cat debacle. No. Um, <laughs> talking cat debacle is the name of my band. Uh, and Tarot Bang is the name of my band. Um, but I, I don't know. I found it, I still found it pretty interesting and entertaining. It, it, I was... Because I'd avoid watching this movie for years. Like, I didn't want to watch it in the first place because I don't have any kind of special 
love for Bill Maurer, and so I was just like, eh, I'm just not watching it. I know I what he's trying, trying to get across to, anyway. Every time I watch like an old Politically Incorrect or something, I want to get into it, because he's the sort of comedian I want to be into, and I just can't. But I actually, I was I was glad I sat down and watched it because of Beepa Bapa Boopa, that guy, yeah, and yeah, a couple well. other moments that I made the experience worth it. And uh, he came actually off as less antagonistic than I expected, because I think I expected him to be about... 50% more antagonistic than he actually was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I thought the uh, the other interesting points I think you and I talked about was um, when he, and it's going to be an interesting tie-in to, to Going Clear when he talks very briefly about Scientology and just, and then he also interviews those two guys that left the, the Mormon church. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting to see, like, this guy, this guy promotes so much ire that he gets his ass thrown off, like, the property of yeah. the church. He yeah. gets his ass thrown yeah. out of the Vatican. I think he probably would have gotten his ass. I think anybody shows up with uh, with a video camera on on the on the Mormon property. On property yeah. I'll bet. I'll bet he's not the only person that got. Kicked oh out. yeah, no, mm-hmm. he he wasn't kicked off because he was Bill Maher. I don't know. I just I, the part of me also thinks that that's fundamentally one of the things I had a problem with because I'm like the and again we'll get into it discussing going clear but like the lack of transparency. It's like what, what do you have to hide? There's nothing to hide here. You know, there's this beautiful stained glass. There's beautiful carvings. There's so much shit we can enjoy here, and yet you're walking up to them like they're, you know, they're about to see, witness like a, a illicit act. Well, I think we should start segueing into going clear because I think well, what is what is going on, and I think that moment hits on it perfectly, is that religion is such a privileged um, organization within the states, and yeah. Scientology trades on that as much as it possibly can. Yeah, I just want to throw out real quick that ultimately I had three problems with the way Bill Maher approached this, whether it's personal or it's actual flaws in the film, whatever. Um, is that he would take cheap shots at people if he wasn't getting good film, mm. felt that way. He's just as dogmatic uh, dogmatic about his faith as he is, as the worst of the people he was interviewing. Oh, just the, oh, well, his faith oh, is science. Faith, oh. His just, belief I, in science. Oh, I don't know, because he never really... Oh the only thing God. he did, he only gave a little bit of credence to the people who were scientists. And even those... No, like, no, the, I'm not saying that he, he backed them. Sorry. I'm saying he went into none of those interviews, interviews actually wanting to learn anything. He went into all of them trying to find the flaws. But it was under the guise of wanting he went, oh, yeah. he went into all of them already aware of the flaws. What he wanted to find out was why do people believe it in spite of the flaws. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're, you're misinterpreting what he was looking for. Yeah, I just don't think that he tried to... I don't really, know that he really... did a very good job of it. Oh, yeah, I'm saying if if people had... There were a few people who had good foundations. The the bibbidi bobbidi guy. Yeah. The... the uh, astronomer guy. These are guys who are smart, who are aware that the world conflicts with their faith and have found a way to figure that out instead of just saying, oh, well, the world's wrong. And he didn't... I don't know. I don't know exactly what I wanted, but I think I wanted him to actually show some sense of, I learned something from that guy. What were you you were reacting to? I don't know if I have a clear idea. Uh, the use of the word faith when right. you're referring to an atheist. Okay. I'll give you that. His belief Atheists system. Atheists do not have faith. Well, his belief system, because... Everybody has a belief system, whether it's based rooted sure. entirely in objective and reproducible science, or whether it's based in something you just think. Everybody's got a belief system. His belief system, he was just as solid and dogmatic about as any anybody who had a faith-based system. And the other, the other bottom line is that whenever he would finish these, he'd have a little like postscript in the van mm-hmm. where he would just actively shit on them. Mm-hmm. And it was just like he's like, and I don't think he. I, the only one he had, and I wasn't even sure, he was talking about the water and the ice. You know, he's like, well... Oh, yeah, the, the trinity of God. The trinity of God, yeah. Metaphor. So, it's a good metaphor. And like all metaphors, it's illuminating without actually meaning anything at all. Yeah. Are we good? Yes. Yeah, that's about it. Let's take a break, and we'll talk about going clear. Seg you. Discussing a religious and going clear, we're gonna st- we're gonna go into going clear, mm-hmm. and um, boy, yeah, you you seem to have had your eyes opened to Scientology having watched this. No, I told you guys before that you said you said I think that you knew all the jokes, the Scientology I jokes yep. that needed yep. to be made, but it, you seem surprised of, of the alleged depths of what the church has alleged. Well, I mean, I had like a I, I literally, and I apologize. I had a, a a Wikipedia understanding of what Dianetics was, and I knew that you know the jokes that are always made about about it 
Tom Cruise, John Travolta. How long is the Wikipedia page on Dianetics? Because you pretty, know there's got to be some people in the church pretty editing long. If you can, thing. If you can distill Dianetics into a Wikipedia entry, <laughs> I would like to see it. So, it still wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't. I would like somebody who's uh, more succinct and uh, articulate to actually describe this. And... Uh, I think you do yourself a disservice when you say you are not articulate. Uh, the best succinct, though. I am, I'm poor Because at... Josh is terse. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway... Um, um, I can do my best. Uh, yeah, because yeah. all I all I know is that from watching it, and I'm trying to I'm trying to parse out like the the pure facts so we can stay away from the allegedly. So basically, mm-hmm. this this man with really shitty teeth, um, fact, <laughs> because every time he gave an interview, who was a science fiction writer, super weird lips too. I just got to say, yeah. his lips right? creep me out. He, he, has, he's got, he has duck lips. He's got carp. yeah, he's carp. Got, he's carp. Got, I agree, carp. 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 I accept the carp lips. Full lips. Yeah, but they look. Just... It, it looks like you know, from an evolution standpoint, it looks like he's actually before the apes and more going back to the amphibian. He looks. Like, yeah, uh, he looks. He looks very amphibious. Yeah, he, he very Lovecraftian. Like, oh like, yeah, yes, <laughs> he does. A little, I mean, he looks like a villain from a Tintin book. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah. Cartoon so, simple line or uh, or, or from uh, Dick Tracy. Mm, nice. Yeah. You know, Very it's, nice. It's yeah. conceivable that... Fish lips. Because Lovecraft was in the 20s and 30s, right? Yes. Around that, about that time? Yeah, he lived, oh, conceivable. No. he lived through the Great Depression. He might have been... I think he might have been, like, probably... I think that was uh, near the end of his... Uh, he died uh, in, like, 30s. Well, you know... Okay, so Ron L. Hubbard was part of an encore. L. Ron, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard was part of... Ron L. Hubbard is a mechanic from <laughs> Sheboygan. <laughs> Was part of an enclave of like science fiction and fantasy writers, mm-hmm. like the, the whole the pulp pulpies. era, yeah, the fifties, uh, along with like Robert Heinlein. Yes, Heinlein. oh yeah, he was he was later than Lovecraft. Lovecraft and there was weird. there was yeah, a Lovecraft rumor. died in nineteen thirty seven. Thirty seven. So they were, when did he Hubbard? Well, Hubbard didn't Hubbard, die until like the eighties. Yeah, he he lived for a long time. Yeah, he was part of the fifties golden. Yeah, 50s, so the, 60s yes. golden the bottom line with this guy is that everybody. he was a science fiction writer that turned out a lot of. Content. He still holds yeah. the Guinness Book of World Records, he was, which amazes me. Against Asimov, very pro- yes, more very than prolific. Very prolific. Yeah. Churns out a bunch of shit, and uh, for reasons that I was at the point of the movie covering my face and shaking my head, um, I guess like his his desire to not pay taxes meant that he thought, well, the best way I can do this is by creating a religion. And so the foundations of Scientology were based on things and... and allegedly. Allegedly created to support uh, uh, this of Scientology. Mm-hmm. And while getting chased around... Know, yeah, and I don't know how true that is. Sure. Like, because I yeah. think a lot of the time he threw that off as kind of like a glib, like, if only I had a religion, I could be making the big bucks yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's what some of his wives have said over the course of the various interviews. His wives. Yes, his wives. So, but then the other thing he did was he, he allegedly... <laughs> Skirted Allegedly. a lot. Of, uh, skirted a lot by by hopping on a boat and oh, making he his. That. Well, he did that. Yeah, fact. he definitely did making that. He his lived in international waters. Making well, it's like having you know you can gamble on a on a on a steamboat in Minnesota on the Mississippi River because it's considered a maritime act. Well, he yeah. did what he did what Arrested Development said was take to the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he, he did. took Henry, Henry Winkler's advice, and he did. He went to he took to the sea um, to avoid. Like, I mean, the, the, the scrutiny, it's just like when you start cheating the system and somebody figures out how you're cheating the system, they figure out how to get you for it. And mm-hmm. if you're on top of that activity, then you'll figure out ways to further cheat the system, which is kind of allegedly what was happening with the yeah. early stages of Scientology. Well, the IRS has been used so often to take down guys into much worse stuff. Think of Al Capone. Well, yeah, like but... They, they didn't get him on crime. They got him on not paying but, taxes on his crime. But he was making money hand over fist with his mm-hmm. his alleged religion. Well, and then after Hubbard it's died... It's not an alleged religion. It is, a, it is an established religion. The IRS says Scientology is a religion. We don't have to say allegedly. After Hubbard died, the church went to war with the IRS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they which were is, having a lot of like which is with the really IRS. smart because if they go oh, yeah. to war with the FBI or something, the IRS could have been used as the flanking maneuver to take them down. But they went to war with the IRS, recognizing that the IRS would have yeah, been the flanking their maneuver. biggest threat. I, you watch this movie and what it what it wants you to believe, and what I frankly honestly believe is likely true is the reason L. Ron Hubbard created Scientology was to make money. 
Mm-hmm. He, he wanted he wanted to live the lifestyle of being independently wealthy and being able to drive to sail his ships around uh, around the Mediterranean. Now, why did he do that? Did he do that because he wanted to spread? Excuse me, spread, spread Scientology? Scientology? No, no, he did that because he wanted to be able to ride a ship around the Mediterranean. Because mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to do that if they had enough money? And have a bevy. He wanted of to do it because too. he had a bevy of bevy of of crazy loyal followers who were willing to fix up the ship for him mm-hmm. you know and all he had to do was lie on lie out on the uh, on the the deck at night and point out a bunch of fake constellations and they were just gonna fawn all over him and keep doing it for free I I, I don't know I to me L. Ron Hubbard has always looked like a con artist and this movie did not change my mind oh yeah I don't um, I didn't expect the movie to oh, change no. anybody's mind about I don't, that I don't think this movie was designed to no. do anything but be like have people like me or with less knowledge just stare at it and going you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> and because yeah. I and, but again this movie has an agenda we talked about that in the first half mm-hmm. this movie has an axe to grind it does not think Scientology is any good it, it thinks that L. Ron Hubbard is a con man it thinks that what it's do what science Scientology is doing is dangerous mm-hmm. and bad, and I agree with all of those theses. Yeah, but the- uh, but it doesn't do anything anything to tell you another a different story a fair and a fair yeah. and balanced yeah. P- yeah well that's the thing is it's not a documentary about so what scientology it's a documentary mm-hmm. about the alleged abuses and problems with scientology well, it's she, not it's not pretending Lord, to Lawrence be like, Wright in the book the other says that he set out to write a very fair and balanced book and but when you present all this information and with various footnotes always saying that the church of scientology denies this ever happened the church of scientology says actually this is true instead it doesn't come off as very like you know fair and balanced and that's like, a, that's an issue mm-hmm. of transparency and that's my that's my point the fact yeah. that they can't when you I mean I can imagine like approaching this and like trying to be like I'm gonna be down the line I'm mm-hmm. gonna say I would like to get your position we're just gonna present it talk to us and they're just like nope middle finger fuck off we're not gonna talk to you and you're just like as soon as it becomes a question of I think combativeness that's when I think a filmmaker will probably be like, huh, okay, I'm going to start flying drones over your building if you're not going to let me be within like a block of the front door of your big Ikea-looking piece of shit. Sure, and, and you they, even at, at the end, they like show you the names of all the people that they asked to come in and interview for the movie, and, they all, mm-hmm. and all the people that were the Scientology faithful turned them down. Mm-hmm. On oh. fairness, Tom Cruise is probably busy. Tom Cruise and, and John Travolta building, are probably busy. Hang off a building for Mission Impossible. Well, and David Miscavige hasn't given an interview since he gave one to tell Well, Ted yeah, Apple. and in okay. fairness, David Miscavige is probably crazy. So Allegedly. Uh, so, allegedly. He, he's, he was probably busy I trying to David to Miscavige is very, very smart. And I think, I always think when well, you yeah. look at, well, I think when you look at people like David Miscavige and you label him as crazy... You are really treading dangerous water. I think well, you're underestimating. You're what he under. Can do. You you underestimate and you dismiss when you call somebody crazy. He doesn't seem crazy to me. It seems like what he does is calculated, extremely, yeah, to consolidate power and to keep himself living in a style to which he's accustomed. Well, let me clarify. I don't mean crazy like schizophrenic. I mean crazy like paranoia. Mm. The, he's he's I, a paranoid man. I think he's untouchable. I think what you're getting at, and I think this is yeah. what I believe to be true, is that we, you see this as a as a you know in, in movies, you know, as a, as a crutch, like oh, this person is untouchable. There's no way they can get near him. You know, uh, Boardwalk Empire, Nucky Thompson is like you know the your protagonist, but they're always claimed to be untouchable. But the story goes forward. I do not. That's I think he's a shark. He is an apex predator. Yeah, and I think what he can do. Is if you were to say, I'm going to get close to you, he'll be like, okay, well, you're doing a harmless little podcast in the Twin Cities. And if Josh was like, hey, guys, this is our first cease and desist order from the Church of Scientology. And I was like, we're just, we're talking about the movie. We're not talking about the religion. We're not bashing it. We're just talking about it. And, well, you brought his name up and you said some, which could be disparaging things. Who has that fucking power, time? Mm -hmm. And you were the one that said, they're like, I think they've got teams of people who are just like... Scientology, refresh. Scientology, refresh. Hating Scientology, refresh. And that's scary. Well, the movie definitely gives that impression. I mean, and and I think they do, although, you know, we did a podcast on Scientology where uh, all three of the hosts of Geeks Without God went in and got our personality tested. 
and and we talked about it on the podcast really openly. And so far, nothing. No, we have got nothing. And the well, title of the podcast was Scientology. So, well, you've got nothing explicit. You might be on a list, though. No, it doesn't. Always, it doesn't. Yeah. But, it, but to bill. them, we're not any kind of threat. Right. Uh, and there's also battles that you fight and battles that you don't. You know, cl- clearly, all they did for for going clear was they said, "Well, it's all bullshit." Mm-hmm. And then basically left it go because that's all they really feel the need to say. Mm-hmm. That's all they don't they don't view go, even going clear as a threat because when you watch that movie, you see what the, how much money they've been amassing mm-hmm. for years and years well, and, and if, years. And, so, and going clear is if they fought it, that just brings more attention to it. Yep. Right. And then everybody is watching it, and, and then everybody it's is brought to you remember Escape, Escape from, from Tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you know Disney just let that go. They didn't like. Do you know anything about Escape from? No. Tomorrow. Uh, Escape from Tomorrow was filmed guerrilla style on Disney World campuses. Yeah, yeah. Disney mm-hmm. World. And so it's a horror movie that we watched, not recommended at all. It was a but, wet, hot mess but, of a movie. But like, the Disney didn't say a word about it, and it came up and it disappeared. Yeah, but if Disney like, had said anything about this, like say... It would have made, made, made another $100 million. It would have. Because people would have been like, oh, I want to see exactly. that. The movie Disney so tried David, to kill. You, but I agree with you that David Miscavige is absolutely on Touchable. He does not have to give an interview. There's no benefit to him giving interviews. No. Nope. Mm-hmm. He nope. he does not need to defend a thing he does. So he stays in his ivory tower and he lets people say whatever they want and he's going to keep being rich and he's going to keep being powerful. And that that is good enough for him. Yeah. But, the, the only way you're going to see like somebody challenge Miss Cabbage is from inside the church itself. And right. I have no idea how that would even happen. Or, well, or if there's another way of leveraging. Tom Cruise would be the only one that yeah, could leveraging like, the way of leveraging I mean, like, clear his money. Going clear his former sure. assistant like, and his former like number one. You go it. after his money or you go after the organization which supports him. But you can't go after his money because they're a church. But mm-hmm. if there was something that came up, like just something, anything yeah. in the future... He'll be dead by then, and he'll probably be encased in plastic, and they'll wheel him out for the next, like, $650,000, like, lavish ceremony where yeah, they all... I don't even know if there is a process makes, for the IRS to take someone off their church It makes list. me want to know what, what young guy, or possibly woman, but it's probably a guy, what... What what young guy is like trying to consolidate power right now, knowing that Miscavige isn't going to live too much longer, and, 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 and sees that opportunity yeah. to seize... Control, but Miscavige could still be around for another thirty years. Yeah, he because he's in his fifties, right? I think he's about the same age as Cruz. And he's gonna wear one of those fucking masks like Mad Max Fury Road and like spray paint. More than Miscavige, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he'll go more the Howard Hughes route with just uncut fingernails and feet and tissue boxes. That's what I liked about the documentary. Getting back to the actual proper documentary and and not bashing. But seeing this guy coming up and like how. How if you if you're not familiar with Scientology, there, there's a very nautical navy bent to it because of the boats. Yeah, their internal organization is called the Sea Org. <clears throat> yes, that's yeah. their main. I guess I don't that, know the that's Commodores. The, the, the that's center their, of the church. Yeah. What would you say? The, Republi- the Republican Guard of the sure. And that's when he when they showed like the the youths of Scientology. It was like seeing a you know like a, a '60s. Uh, fucking movie about like young Republicans in high school. They're all right? dressed in pseudo navy. They're all in pseudo navy, and then they're right at the front of the line is is Miss Cabbage, uh, square jaw. And I can see why, like when he's palling around with Tom Cruise, because Tom Cruise is also a short guy with like a square jaw and the big smile. Miss Cabbage is 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 pretty handsome. He's pretty. Yeah. He's a good looking guy. He's personable. Mm-hmm. He's he really is charismatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gives a great speech. He gets up and the 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 bootleg footage of their of their. Which I think probably doubles the budget of like the Academy Awards because like seeing that whole stage show, how they salute pictures of like Elrond Fishface. Well, I mean, they're not paying union wages to the people who make that. Well, they're no, apparently but, paying forty cents a day to the people. But I'm thinking no, the people. Well, that, no, because they got to do that at some great big union hall, so they probably are paying union wages. Well, they're the paying for the hall. And there's people, there's people like Carl Shaneborn, well, they probably like, own rigging lights, you know, and shit, and they're yeah. up there going like. It's a paycheck, man. He's giving me like forty thousand dollars to do this, and well, I just depends. have to listen. I, I still maintain. I feel like that must have been that hole must exist in their L.A. complex. Like I bet that's a Scientology. It looked like building. they rented the Hollywood. You know, they could. It looked like it, but, but they have the money to rebuild the Hollywood. Whatever. 
they have the money to like rent 15 different hotels if they needed to to put up all their people mm -hmm. but Miss Cavish is like no you guys stay at the Super 8 I'm gonna kind of start pulling checks into myself Super 8 but you know like he even said it he even said it he's like he goes we won the war against the IRS and I'm like the fuck war are you fighting and it's like the war to make sure that they can keep all their money and it was like mm -hmm. that's where I was like are you serious now to to divert to like segue off of this uh, I want to talk about the people in the documentary quick like a bunny who were the converts, who were the ones who were with the church and high up, the mm. ones that were talking about holding the soup cans with like the Radio Shack electronics kit attached to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like actor Jason Beggy, who has been like in a shit ton of things. You know, he's if you look at his IMDb resume, yeah. he was a guy with the raspy voice in the entire yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, He was just like, he was like, I was, I was up, man. I was mm -hmm. the highest of highs. And seeing all these really fucking smart people sit there and like, uh, my friend Linda Sue was like, to watch their faces when they realize, like, yeah. I have, like, invested so much money, mm -hmm. money and time mm -hmm. and visibility to defending it and how and it, absolutely wildly sad they were. Yeah, well, you got to understand how they bait hooks for it. Because, you know, again, we went in, we went into the Scientology Center in downtown St. Paul. The, the old yeah, science museum, right? To do the, yeah, mm -hmm. the old science museum to do the, to do the personality test. And you go in there and you fill out the personality test and then they, they run it and they come back and what they do is they find all your weaknesses and they say, we've got a course for that. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is take this course and usually they've got like two or three books as well. So they're like, there's this course, the cor first course is $50. And you know that they get more expensive from there. They they of hook course. you in. They right. hook you in in with a fifty dollar course, which I I kid you not, it looks like a teacher's guide uh, thing where it's like there's a page that says think about this ridiculous concept, and then on the next page now write an essay about it, um, <laughs> and and so they get you into that first course. They want to get you. They want to help you, and they always refer to it as technology, which drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. And they were referring to it as, as as technology. You're talking about the e meter and everything. No, like that, or no, just else. the course. The just course, the course itself. The mental, the mental reprogramming they're talking about is technology. Everything that they're doing is technology, um, and so that's how they get into the Scientology thing. But the thing is, you give them fifty dollars, but you're not paying them fifty dollars to take a course. It's a fifty dollar donation for, to the church, and in exchange. For the fifty dollar donation, they're gonna they're gonna do this course with you. So it's like and a Kickstarter reward, kind of. And the book and the book that you get doesn't belong to you. It still belongs to the church. You're not supposed to take it out of the church. <laughs> so they keep it all there, and it's it's all designed to keep you in this insulated community, right? And get you more and more insulated and separated from the rest of the world. And into that Scientology group, because if you want to do more with them, you have to do it there. You can't do it at home. You have mm -hmm. to do it there around other Scientologists. So every time, so there's nobody, you don't have a spouse sitting next to you going, what the fuck is this bullshit? You got right? all by yourself. Yeah. Like, okay. Because it's so, easy to think for yourself when you're in your own home it and space. Is, it is. But when you're in their space, mm -hmm. surrounded by their people, it is much easier for them to keep you in involved. So, How far did any of you guys? Did any of you guys decide to pony up any of the one money? Of, one like... of us did. One of a, one, Nick. Nick actually ponied up some money, and you know what happened after he ponied up some money? He got calls and texts for months, Shit. even after he told them, "Like, stop calling me. I'm not interested. I'm done." And they kept calling and texting him, and uh, I, I, uh, I gave him a fake number. Yeah. Nice. So, did you give him a 555 number and they just didn't figure it out? No, I did not give him a 555 five, five number, numbers? which makes me feel a little bit guilty. Because <laughs> I'm like, if I give him a 555 number, they're going to know that it's a fake number. So, I just faked three numbers that I was pretty sure weren't um, actually. I really hope someone's not getting all those calls. For you. <laughs> if they are, I'm so sorry. Well, there's, really a, there's a company, I want to say in Manhattan, that has a fake phone number that girls can give out to guys who hit on them in bars. Oh, uh, see, I should have yeah. learned that. Oh, so, you call that. And you just get an outgoing voicemail and says, I'm sorry, she wasn't interested. <laughs> nice. I should have done that yeah, if, I, if I'd known. But but there, my experience with them was, it was, and more Nick's than mine, but it is very creepy and you can see exactly what they're trying to do. Exactly how 
they're trying to rope you in. I mean, the place is super spick and span, very mm-hmm. slick. There are all these little areas where you can sit down. They've got touch screens where you can watch videos about L. Ron Hubbard right. and about Scientology and how it's going to fix this and it's going to fix that and it's going to fix the other. If you've got somebody who's at a low point in their life walking in there and they're looking at all this stuff that's like Scientology can make you better. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, there's no question. That and it then, and I think the doc, the... It talked about Paul Haggis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, he started going to the church when he was a young man. It's like, of course we can help you. We can help you make all these connections. We can help you get started as a writer. And they were with him through his entire career until he decided, like, oh, I've had enough of this. And he wrote a a really interesting essay which uh, talked about Scientology and leaving Scientology. And he talks about how they are actively going after actors and producers and writers in Hollywood. And they tell them, if you uh, uh, if you get involved in Scientology, we can help your career, which is not entirely untrue yeah. because there are a bunch of actors and producers mm-hmm. and writers involved. Right, it's and, like joining the secret society of, at Yale. Part of joining Scientology is, in, in that group, is you're not going to help these other people who are joining Scientology if they're going to stay with it, if they're going to show that they are, they're members of the true faith, you're going to help them get connected in Hollywood and get better better gigs. And Haggis wrote a lot about that, and it's a really good, it's like, uh, man, it's, it's you know, four or five thousand words long. I mean, it's a really long I'll have to check that out. Um, that he wrote after he announced he'd left the church, and, and um, it's, it, you know, I didn't need this documentary to know that Scientology mm-hmm. was subversive and dangerous. And I mean, just again, I, I'm stealing all your time, but I'm the guest. So who cares? Right. Anyway, yeah. no, um, no, you're here. So please. we on, on Geeks of God, we talked to an ex-Jehovah's Witness and so much of what I heard from the ex-Scientologists is what we heard from the ex-Jehovah's, from our, from our friend who was an ex-Jehovah's Witness about mm-hmm. the way that if you leave the church Everybody involved in it shuns you. And then there are certain situations where the church decides you aren't quite doing things the way they should be done. So they shun you. And the way that they had all these guys talking about... Uh, their experiences with the with the Church of Scientology and some really sinister like torture bullshit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they go to their ex wives. Interesting that they're all ex wives. Their ex wives stayed with the church. They didn't stay with their spouse. And so their ex wives all talk about how everything their husbands are saying is a lie. Yeah. And they're using the same language, which mm-hmm. is always evidence. That, that was such a powerful approached. moment in the documentary yeah. where they were all there and you had them on screen and the woman repeats the line that the other woman had just said yeah. you know, a few yeah. minutes before. And she has just a, a second of hesitation where I think she figured out that she was repeating yeah. it and realized yeah. it was so. too late to stop. Yeah. And then she went ahead anyway. Yeah, because she had to. You couldn't just stop and you're say, like, let I, me rephrase I, yeah. that that I'm halfway done um, with. So you can see it. And, and that's what bothers me about, like Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, is their entire goal is to isolate people from the rest of the world. And if they lose grip on you, what they're going to do is shove you away so you can't infect anybody else. Um, you know, and Jehovah's Witness, exactly, exactly the same thing. I mean, he talked about the fact that if you leave Jehovah's Witness the Jehovah's Witnesses, your family is expected to not talk to you. You mm-hmm. are no longer, you're essentially dead. Yeah. To I've, heard, do, do, I've heard the do same they call thing it anything? from former Mormons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Scientology, they call that disconnection. Disconnection, yes. right. But I remember the Mormons in the... Excommunication. Uh, the I think Mormons they call it shunning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Mormons were talking about that in the in religious. They're just like, That's, yeah, yeah. my family doesn't talk to me. My And I know, think most religions, to a certain extent, shun you or kind of like push you out to a certain extent. They certainly mm-hmm. can. Yeah. Yeah. It's very welcoming. Good. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, I still talk to my friends who are remain Baptists, but my family wasn't in the church or anything. It wasn't the center of my entire world. And mm-hmm. it was much more... It, it was much more casual. It was much a less casual of a, shunning. This is well. It was much less of a. This is what we do. This is our entire life. Yeah. Do, 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 do. What do we want to talk about in terms of comparisons that we we haven't hit on already? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Something something I noticed in because both. we have ten minutes before we have to wrap this up. Something I noticed in both, and it's more about the religions than about the films themselves is everybody wants to be the martyr. Everybody wants to be the underdog. The the Scientology won the war against the big bad IRS. 
every single Christian religion, at least every single one that's got outspoken idiots, has a sense of the atheistic, secular, scientific world is trying to destroy us with Satan's power. There's a war on Christmas. War on Christmas! Nobody wants to admit, my organization has $2 billion and owns this many Fortune 500 heads or whatever. We're the big bad guys. Nobody wants to be the evil empire. Everybody wants to see themselves as the world is trying to step on me and everything I do in defense of myself is justified because otherwise I'll be exterminated. Well, we've seen that in the last few weeks as the Supreme Court came down with their ruling about same-sex marriage and people right. reacting against it. And already, like, oh no! The, the reaction, the reaction yeah. to it is, well, what about our religious freedom to yeah. be bigots? What about our re- well, even um, even rephrasing that the the slaughter of the church members in um, North Carolina? South Carolina? South Carolina. Now I'm showing my ignorance. Trying to rephrase that instead of being a racial issue, being an attack on Christianity by a, a guy who is an expressed racist. Yeah, that happened too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, the difference is, I, again, religious is created to be comedy. Mm-hmm. It's created to be, and he is setting up antagonistic interviews with with his his people in 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 hopes that it's going to create funny situations, and it's sometimes successful and it's sometimes not. Yes, uh, going clear, you know, both of them have an agenda. Going clear's agenda is they want you to understand what's really going on with Scientology, that it's not as harmless as the Scientology community would have. It's not just a joke. It's Mm -hmm. not just a joke that Scientology is serious and dangerous. Yeah. And I, I knew a lot about that. I knew a lot about Scientology before I knew about, um, project snow white, which is where they broke into places and stole documents. All their domestic terrorism. Yeah. I knew about the, um, war with the IRS and how they basically blackmail and strong armed that into happening. But I had no idea about the physical abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize, but probably should have how much blackmail can come out of all those readings. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the number of the case files I thought was also an interesting thing. I have, yeah, I, I look at those stacks. I look like, yeah, I look at a bunch of the, the file cabinets and, and like they're like this is, you know, John Travolta's case file, and it's the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica, mm-hmm. and like they're gonna leak your secrets. And part of me wants to be like, well, fuck it. If he's gay, let him be gay, because nobody gives a shit. It's not gonna affect his career. He's gonna be like any other actor that's out there that's currently a homosexual. Big fucking deal. But they have leverage, and I think yeah. that's a and power. Yeah, and that's a scary thing, man. Well, they hold that power over the people in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, anybody, <sighs> anybody, even church. if you don't have a gigantic secret, even if you're not closeted and worry it's going to affect your life in specific ways, everybody, if if an organization that didn't have your best interests at heart knew everything you had ever done, they would have a lot of blackmail material. Sure, well, sure. even when they can't find something on somebody, they go and manufacture right, it. Right, yeah. Then because they, they start talking about, oh, maybe you were bad in your previous life, yeah. and this is what the record or shows just there, an, and we'll use that against you. Anonymous websites crop up calling you a pervert. Yeah, that too. Smear campaigns just right. on people. So what Going Clear does is it, it's building a case, and I think it does it pretty effectively, mm-hmm. you know, in that you've got several people talking about their experiences within the church. Those experiences coordinate. They, they sound like, even though these are different people telling stories, they all intersect, mm-hmm. and they all sound like they're having a similar experience within the church. And that's, that's compelling. You know, it doesn't read like a bunch of people with sour grapes just trying to rip on Scientology. It reads like a bunch of people who came out of Scientology with the recognition that Scientology was dangerous mm-hmm. and and subversive, and they want people to know. Yeah, and every one of them took responsibility for the own it, the actions they had taken. And some, really some of the me. things that they did were really awful. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of them were higher ups, but yeah. nobody nobody did the cop out move of I was brainwashed and I didn't know what I was doing. I was following orders. Everybody was ashamed yep. of the terrible things they had done, yep. which was, I mean, admittedly, that was the point of the documentary, so it was the five hours cut down to 15 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they copped out a few times and the filmmakers left that out. Sure. So it's the uh, viewpoint we're seeing, but still, it was an impressive viewpoint uh, to see. And I want to say, Tim, uh, 
I need to disagree and are and, and I apologize. Oh, what? Well, I'm sorry for being argumentative. Oh, there, there, are, there are two actual true documentaries that are out there that are unbiased. <laughs> the first one is called Oh God, a, brace it. A Sasquatch Odyssey. There we go. <laughs> About the uh, conflicting cryptozoologists who go to their lectures and they scream at each other. That was actually a fun one. And the other one, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, it's called Jurassic Park. Uh, and clearly, oh, yeah, the, that's, uh, a, that's a documentary. Totally. Yeah, I, no, I agree. Jurassic World, you've got Chris Pratt riding velociraptors, much like Ken Ham. He says. was riding a motorcycle. I know. Yes, he, thank you. he was riding a motorcycle. Oh, I know what's wrong. You're next thinking, to the velociraptors. You're thinking of the Giddy up. You're thinking of the five-year-old boy who rides a baby triceratops again. That's right. You're confusing a five-year-old boy with Chris Pratt. Ah. Uh, they have a similar muscular stru- structure. And they also have a similar comedy style. They're also hooked on a feeling. So. <laughs> all right. Not at all. Um... Tim, thank you. This has been really yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for asking really me. Like this, is this is your, fun. Your expertise and your viewpoints, they were great. I, I love this. <laughs> we were going to bring our own empty soup cans to hold on to while we were doing our oh, own. We should have done that. We would have known how many things we got rid of. All right, guys, we need to eat a lot of soup, and we need to eat it fast. <laughs> I don't know if I have any soup here. Test Damn. might. You failed us again, Humphrey. <laughs> All mine are in boxes. I failed it. <laughs> God, the, the music. The music video. You should do a screen capture from that music video. Oh, that's great. That music oh, video. Oh, like, with Miss Cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like we are the world, except we with are, except yeah. with Scientologists. We are victims. Yeah. 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 In the I don't world know how a victim. <laughs> So that's our show. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm up next with a nugget. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got the next nugget. And what we're going to do for the nugget is actually based on a friend of ours, Melissa Karcher's. Uh, she put out something on Facebook the other day about uh, a song, the song Radiohead's uh, Creep, mm-hmm. sounding like a theme song to a Cartoon Network show. Uh, Steven Universe. Huh. So we're going to we'll, we'll listen to those and see if they actually kind of match up. Huh. Fascinating. Tim, I don't know if you know, we do little mini episodes, so they're smaller, shorter things. I'm going to pretend I knew that. Sure. Okay. Uh, yes. Tim, <laughs> Tim is an avid listener to our program. Avid. 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 Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you all for joining. Yep. And we're out of here. Bye. Peace. Yo. Zenu be with you. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. Double bill. Da, 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 da. He loves us all. <laughs>